1: Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, Episode 3. You know, while everybody's distracted talking about the NFL like it's a third political party, we're going to sneak in a football podcast. Not just a football podcast, but a Steelers football podcast. Unfortunately, this isn't a story that the Steelers fans are going to want to hear. You know, the Chicago Bears stepped up and punched us right in the square in the nose and uh, let us know that reputation in the NFL doesn't mean anything. So I think we're going to start the podcast, as we always do, with the three themes of the game. Nick, what do you think? uh, What do you have?
2: Well, there's some pretty obvious themes today. And number one is going to have to do a little bit with that aforementioned reputation, because the Steelers have now developed a pretty extensive reputation of losing two crap teams, to put it lightly. Listen, everybody in the NFL is talented. We understand that. But there's a big difference between a team that's basement dwelling in one of the conferences, in the league in general, which is what the Bears are expected to be this year. And at least on paper, the Steelers are far more talented than them. So to be in a close game would be pretty pretty bad sign. To lose a game like this, it's awful. And it's been happening to Tomlin teams every year for as far back as we can remember same time as last year. Week three got crushed by the Eagles after being 2-0. and Now Steelers get embarrassed by the Bears. That's the first theme. I, I can't point to one thing of, of why this happens with these Tomlin Coach Steelers teams, but it happens. And now the track record is pretty extensive.
1: Theme number two. When do we get to see the offense we've heard about? You know, I was so excited about this year. We've waited an entire year, basically, while Martavis was on ice. Thinking now, everybody's in the house. You have your full armamentarium of weapons. Uh, granted, there were a couple of injuries on the offensive line, but really, I didn't see any reason that we shouldn't achieve our full offensive potential. We didn't even we didn't even achieve last year's average output of 25 points per game. Let alone do something like. 30 or 40 points. Huge disappointment there.
2: Huge. And the excuses are gone. Now, I can understand the first week or two, the Steelers being a little bit rusty, especially considering that they didn't play together during the preseason. The Stars, at least. Obviously, Le'Veon missing camp and Martavis not being there for a year. He's got to get reinstated. He was never exactly a super polished player to begin with. You know, his uh, athletic ability is fantastic. So you could see how it could take a little while for him to get into the groove. But, man, this was the perfect opportunity for the Steelers' offense to explode. And it was squandered once again. So where is the offense? It's MIA. I, I do think they will start getting it together. But it's just it's very frustrating seeing this team score probably half of what they should score on a regular basis.
1: Well, let's face it. Mortavis dropped was a scene-setting long bomb on the first player of the game. That was catchable, and even if it was a difficult catch, he's got to live up to his reputation to be able to pull in a ball like that. That totally changes the complexion of the game.
2: Right, and I've watched it a couple times, and at first, you know, you see he gets his hands on it, so he could have at least dove for the ball and made a beautiful catch, But, or even, probably more likely, just kind of on his fingertips and run for a 75 yard touchdown on the first play. I, I, I watched it wondering if Ben maybe overthrew it and maybe a little bit, but really the guy could have caught it in stride and you need him to make those types of plays. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that when we get to the offense um, in terms of Steelers relying on big time plays like that. But these guys are are big time, you know, to be a little redundant, but Martavis, Le'Veon and AB and AB is kind of the only one who's really showing up in that way. And, that play could have changed the complexion of the whole game for sure. But there's a lot of other things that went wrong, which leads us to our third point point. Point Number three, how was the defense dominated like this? Everybody on TV, everybody on the field, everybody on both teams and you and I knew the bears were going to run the ball. Mike Glennon, very hyped up in the sense of hyped up to be a terrible quarterback completely delivered on that. Barely threw for 100 yards. Completed one pass to a wide receiver the entire game. Everybody knows that they're going to run all game long and the Bears just asserted their will on the Steelers. I I still feel the venom like in my brain from watching that. I thought that I had overcome it, but now talking about it again is bringing up flashbacks. That being said, you know, those are our three big themes. I mean, you knew what they were going to do, and they did it anyways. It was gross.
1: Here's the playbook. See what you can do with it. Um, we don't need the playbook. We we got, we got a game plan. So let's do what we do on Steelers Outpost podcast and jump into the grades. And this week, we're going to start with the head coach, Mike Tomlin. Uh, you and I probably disagree just a tad. You gave him an F+. Plus. Did I'm he? not giving him the plus. I believe you gave him the plus because <laughs> he just looks s- like such a leader when he comes out and talks at the beginning. He was talking about all the political the political milieu, as it were, right. of the NFL. Um, yeah, the situation
2: with all the anthem and the, the Trump comments. Obviously, everybody knows what we're talking about here. He handled that really well. But you're not going to give him the plus for that, are you? I gave him the plus for at least handling that pretty suavely and with with composure and a, and a
1: well beginner. there's no doubt as i said at the beginning of this podcast we're doing a football podcast while everybody does politics right. so my grade is an f you're losing <laughs> as you pointed out to a basement dwelling team and this is just going too far as you said you can't point to one thing because there were multiple problems on both sides of the ball and special teams that's over three that doesn't even work in baseball which we all right. acknowledge we hate
0: Well,
2: listen, man, Tomlin, he's picturesque. Looks great there on the sidelines. He's a great coach. Granted, he's starting to wear some of those Under Armour shirts, and you're seeing the long hours that he's putting in the office without working out. It's getting a little flab around there. Even if he didn't have that flab, he can't get on the field. He can only do so much. Those players are the ones out there making the mistakes. So it's hard to pin it on a coach, but by this point, the track record is... It's like infinite. It happens every single year. So at this point, you really do have to wonder, man. It it happens all the time. We have enough of a sample size to say that he has a he's a big reason to do with this stuff. He's not the only reason. You know, maybe right. Ben has a has a has a capacity to do that too. But he's not an F as a coach. He's a really good coach, in my opinion. Brought a lot of success to the Steelers. But he was an F for
1: that uh, game. I think it would be ridiculous. Uh, I think the talk about him leaving is ridiculous. He, he you ridiculous. get to the playoffs. And then once you get there, anything can happen. This game is an F. He'll turn In it, May, he'll turn pick it a, around. Man. What's that? I,
2: I, you got to believe he'll turn it around. He always does. You can't this, just assume these things. But this is bad. This track record is horrible.
1: Well, I'll we're just grading one game at this point. I, I would like to pick a nit uh, to go back to um, clock management.
2: Well, nothing's changed there at the either. End,
1: at the end of regulation where there was a minute five left. He lost a precious seven seconds by not calling timeout. We eventually did call timeout to stop the clock at 58 seconds. That's I, one more play. It really I is. I don't understand why the Roonies don't break out the bank, hire a guy from Stanford, and have somebody over a clipboard and tell you what to do with the clock.
2: We need a long-haired, bearded time guy, a time lord on the side. All this guy studies time. Practices, keeping time, multiple stopwatches. He's drawn out all the scenarios. You have all the time in the world. Just pay the guy 25000 a year. All he does, write up time scenarios. Keep those spreadsheets on the sideline. Memorize those spreadsheets, but have them available for other people.
1: We and need I'd a have, time lord. I'd have time but, lords on the bench. I'd have bench time lords just to keep the pressure on the time lord.
2: Yes, you have minions for the time lord. Anyways, terrible clock management. No surprise there. So let's move on to the offensive the coordinator, Todd Haley. It was bad. I mean, everybody did bad today. I gave him a C- because there were open receivers throughout the course of the game. Uh, I think that he did a good job calling plays to get some of our superstar wide receivers into one-on-one positions down the field, like Martavis and A-B. But it just felt like he abandoned the run game a little bit early. And this a similar thing happened against the Eagles last year where they get down quick, they pretty much panic and avoid the run. Le'Veon Bell only had 15 carries. So am I saying that running the ball more is just a simple solution? Todd Haley should have ran the ball more and the Steelers would have won the game. No, but listen, man, there's there's got to be some more variance there. If your offense is only scoring 17 points with that talent, I know that talent is is missing some throws on the field and missing some catches
1: they should make. But come on, man, you got to. You
2: gotta draw some plays to get them into a rhythm.
1: We are talking so. about accountability. We're gonna talk a little further when we talk about offense, about opportunities that we saw. Of course, we don't know from the inside, but there were opportunities in the middle of the field that seemed to be absolutely ignored. So uh when I look at sort of the production from the offense, finally we got the we got the penalties under control, but scoring efficiency was under thirty percent, seventeen points as you mentioned. Third down conversions, we, we, a third. We're thirty 36%. Slightly so.
2: better. Well, about the same exact percentage as hey, they usually are. Usually 33%, I think, last game. So they improved. We'll give them that. That being said, the sloppiness is gross. The penalties are sort of under control. There weren't as many for as many yards. I, I don't know what the defensive versus offensive split was the past few games, but they were timely and annoying. Like Chris Hubbard had a huge hold on one of those last drives there. Um, where Le'Veon got about eight yards on the first drop, uh, the first play on the last drive of regulation, holding penalty on Hubbard, who had a pretty rough day, and the Steelers are now first and twenty instead of moving up the field. And then there was another procedure penalty, one or two procedure penalties, and that kind of stuff, the Steelers haven't had as an issue the past few years. You got the same guys out there, so I got to put some of that on him. They got to get that offense. Like it's week three. Enough with the procedure penalties. We need to drill this stuff in the guy's head. So, Todd Haley,
1: C minus. So let's move on to the defensive coach. (laughs) But the but, what do you say when you give up 200 rushing yards to a team that can't pass? I think you pointed out Glennon passed one time to a wide receiver. The entire production came from these little these little flare outs to uh, to the running backs. Otherwise, um. What happened to the C gap? It was like a gift that that was never covered by the line or linebackers or safeties.
2: You gave up almost 250 yards to a fat guy and a fast little pygmy. It's not Adrian Peterson over there. Three Cohen is fast. Three Cohen is, maybe comes up to Artie Burns' belly button. It's terrible. And you knew what they were doing. Listen, all joking aside, those are two talented running backs, for sure, but you made them look like Ezekiel Elliott, and the holes were just gaping. It kind of, you know, this is off topic almost a little bit, but when we're talking about Le'Veon Bell this year, trying to wonder why he can't get going, but honestly, after watching all these games multiple times, there's just not a lot of great holes there. Now, we'll talk about him later and, and what he needs to do better, But it's just night and day when you watch the Steelers offense versus when you watch the Bears, the holes were parting like the Red Sea. Huge, massive holes the whole time. So he did a terrible job. The alignments were bizarre. The lack of ability to adjust were bizarre. And frankly, the fact that the other team told you what they were going to do the whole time. And not only were you not able to stop it, but you didn't even call plays that would make sense to stop it. Load the box up, man, is atrocious. I thought he's been pretty decent this season. He fell off a cliff this game. Hopefully he fixes it because people are going to start doing that to the Steelers now. You got the Ravens and the Jaguars coming up next. So,
1: boo. F. All right. Agreed. F. So, we're going to go in. We're going to give a general rating for the offense. And I think you, after all – I mean, we just described the problems. I think the offense we assigned a D you you had one minor uh positive about the offense there were some yeah. fun plays that you know th- those are always a couple of long plays ab was magnificent as usual thank you ab He's a god yes but the bads so far outnumber the goods it's really hard to it even... really
2: does. listen mm- they i do think that there were when i rewatched the draw when i rewatched the game excuse me there was a little bit more momentum more momentum than there's been in past games and they actually drove down the field a fair amount especially if you had completed that first 75-yard pass their second drive got into enemy territory before Ben got strip sacked they just there's there's a whole part of their game that is missing in terms of uh, especially like a short passing offense and an ability to run
1: the question is, who's responsible for the short game? Is it is it Ben's lack of vision? Is it a, a game plan? Where do you where do you assign responsibility?
2: So it's a little bit of both. I mean it's a few different things. Obviously it'd be nice to see Haley draw up some concepts that give easy completions to Ben in that short game, but honestly, you know, Ben leaves some of that on the field. And I think he was woefully inaccurate with some of that short game in the first game and the first one against the Browns, he's improved in the accuracy, but sometimes he just needs to make those decisions to, to throw the ball underneath. Um, so while we're talking about Ben, let's talk about our grade for him.
1: Well, I think you assigned him a C. I, I would agree with that. Some of the things that frustrate me about Ben, again, the sacks, it was sacked three, three times, times and hit five times. You know, you have to assign some responsibility to him. One of the right. crazy plays, and it's typical Ben in the the second possession when Ben was essentially falling backwards and oh, threw the man. ball to Martavis. That was brutal, and that we was were a pick fortunate to get a to what's that?
2: Yeah, that was a pick six waiting to happen.
1: It was a pick six. So we were fortunate to get a pass interference on that. So it it, it it're, it're, it's plays like that 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 drive me crazy at this point. You know, he's still trying to make something out of nothing.
2: Well, listen, that's that's what's made him who he is. And he's very successful because of a lot of that stuff. He's improved greatly with the on-rhythm throws. And I think that he needs to... But he does need to focus on that element of his game a little bit more. And I think that Haley needs to help him with some of that stuff. So I'll be the first one to admit, I'm a raving Ben Roethlisberger fan. It's hard for me to talk bad about him. But we got to call it like we see it. And some of it's a little bit difficult because you don't have the angle that you need with the television until the until the All-22 broadcast comes out. But there are a number of times where you see that he is, you know, too reliant on that deep ball play. And there are certain ones where you see guys running wide open at 10, 15 yards, and he needs to learn how to take those. He also needs to learn how to take the things down at five yards. Whereas I, I do think that Haley needs to be more creative making those easy throws for him, like they do in New England for Tom Brady or in New Orleans for Drew Brees. They make these easy completions. But Ben's frustrating, man, sometimes. I think that he can, when he's hot, he, he's basically the hottest quarterback in the game. You know, when he throws six touchdowns and back to back games and 500 yards and all these things. But when he's cold, especially when he starts cold, Something about him just doesn't get the momentum going. And you saw that almost when he from the very first snap when he missed that long pass. And he just never got that momentum going, it seems like.
1: Let's move into the running back grade, essentially ninety nine percent on, who was effective again in a second a second game, effective but not dominant. No wild yeah. plays. He had a bad drop in the fourth quarter in the red zone. Right. He is uh, still playing his game, and I I wouldn't suggest he change it. He's waiting for an opening. Unfortunately, the line didn't open anything for him yesterday.
2: No, and it's really hard to get a read on him recently because the line has just been so surprisingly lackluster in the the run blocking. Obviously, you had two subs with Gilbert and uh, Ramon Foster out for most of the game. But at the same time, man, those guys have played, Hubbard and Finney. And... There are not a lot of holes for Levian and he's still making some nice plays and doing some things, but I, I gotta say, like, it would not hurt to break a tackle every once in a while. He, he's making some nice plays, but there are a couple where I'm seeing him actually get dragged down by guys in the hole where usually he'd run through them. He's he wants seventeen million dollars a year and you know, this doesn't look like that. One it's run not over all his
1: fault. One run over ten yards. That that's the Steelers aren't winning with that. So yeah, we again uh,
2: it's it's hard judge him because the holes aren't there but the guy's a super mega star you expect him to make a few more big splash plays so i just i give him a c it's kind of pedestrian average it wasn't bad
1: so we've done the last couple of weeks we've broken out wide receivers into wide receivers and himself antonio brown
2: yeah they're not playing the same position (laughs) they're not doing the same thing at least we should just start grading A.B.'s celebrations because there's really no point in talking about how good he is anymore because he's the best player on the Steelers by a thousand miles. And he is doing what Le'Veon is not doing, where he's just he's elevating. He's being lifted into the football heavens by his own fancy feet. And stick them spiderweb like hands.
1: like Elijah riding a fiery chariot chariot across the heavens.
2: He's like a knife through hot butter. It's just going to happen. The guy's amazing. He just keeps making unbelievable catch after unbelievable catch. The one on the sideline where he jumped up and almost just got upended.
1: Risking his life.
2: It's crazy. You know his feet are going to hit down. The catch alone was difficult. And then he gets the feet down. And the funny thing is you know he's going to get them down. So he's the man. He's the MVP of the Steelers. 10 catches, 110 yards. I do think um, there was another pass interference that they they could have called for him down the field, but it it wasn't that big of a deal. Um, He did also get another pass interference in the back of the end zone, so you could add another 10 yards and possibly a touchdown to that. Um, If there's anything I can think he can improve on, it's really not fair to say he can improve on anything. But there were one or two jump balls that I thought the defender made a really nice play on. Would have been cool if he mossed the guy, but you, you can't ask for anything more for A B. A B gets an A plus again.
1: Oh, we're moving to a plus. Okay. I agree with yeah, that.
2: Yeah. I, I, I don't know I must have got we
1: So up. go to the other offensive position called wide receiver. You I, essentially had Martavis Bryant and Juju Smith Schuster. Mar- Marty had a couple of nice, nice catches actually. So he did,
2: um, yeah. He, and he's making some new catches that he wasn't making before. These I don't know. Ben like Ben is throwing high to him. They don't have their chemistry down. But he had those crossers and like an out pattern where he jumped up in the air and just sucked the ball in. Just caught it with his hands and brought it right in, landed on the ground. Some nice catches. So I'll, I'll give him that.
1: Although he is not a fighter. It seems when he goes up in traffic, the balls he should be coming down with, he doesn't. Guys are catching balls with one hands. This guy should be able to get up as big and tall as he, and he has put on some meat and some beef. He should be able to win those jump balls.
2: He needs to, and he did before the suspension. And and he wouldn't win all of them, but he won a bunch of them. And he was starting to get really good at that jump ball situation. He's got all the talent for it. I think he just needs to get his sea legs, hopefully. But... That that one on the first play is brutal, man. I mean, he has a history of dropping the ball, but we really need him to catch that ball. And then there was another one where really the guy was draped all over him. He should have gotten a pass interference. He was down towards the twenty or the ten for Chicago. It was one where Ben kinda of scrambled loose and, and fired one downfield. It was a gross pass interference, really. I, I feel like they're starting to the referees are starting to treat A B and Levia or A B and Martavis like LeBron, where it's like, Well, you just you can't call pass interference every time, even when they are. But that being said, he still should have caught that ball. It's catchable for a guy like him, so he needs to start making those plays. What's really interesting is no
1: targets to Eli. Um, right. Juju had two receptions on six targets. Two, a really nice uh, long of twenty-five yards, and Juju um, was good. I I noted that uh, Martavis was targeted eight times, and I went over the film again, and, and you know. Half of those drops, half of those uh, incompletions were on him. I think the other half were on Ben. You never know what the the play call was, but it just looked like they were inaccurate passes. So not a very satisfying target-to-reception ratio.
2: Yeah, they combined Juju and Marty for four catches for 69 yards off of 14 targets. And actually, a lot of those ones to Juju, what, he was not open. So I think that he did a good job catching the ball. Really encouraged by his run after the catch. He caught that one on third and 15 and only got about 14 yards, but he made a night. He did a great job setting up the screen, setting up his blockers, then kind of wove in between them and then lowered his head and got a couple extra yards. And then obviously there was a nice catch and run in traffic. Martavis had a nice eight-yard catch called back where he caught it on a little drag and a guy was draped over him and he shook him off. That's a new play for him. It got called back for a penalty, but – I, I am a little weirded out by the by the phasing out of Eli Rogers. I like the fact that they're trying to bring Juju along, and it's really going to help the team overall. But Eli's a really good player that they're not utilizing at all. So well, receivers to, be to be, be, the, get a C minus.
1: That was that seemed to be the big opportunity—the middle of the field, which is exactly what uh, the Bears did. I mean, they took, I, well, they did a lot to the side, but I mean, the middle of the field was open, and yeah, I don't, and, and that's do much, that's but, bread and uh, butter for Eli.
2: And uh, Ben has never really been able to util- utilize that part of the field, too. So that's him as well. He doesn't love throwing there.
1: Yeah, he just doesn't like it. Doesn't All right, like it. we'll move on to the offensive line. Woo. I think uh, the C-minus we gave him was generous. When uh, Ben was sacked three times, five quarterback hits. Again, Ben bears some responsibility. But, but honestly, the, the offensive line was not sharp. Ali had another tough day. Yeah. Hubbard had a tough day. The run yeah. blocking was abhorrent.
2: It was like terrible. It. They terrible. have a good front 7, the the Bears. And you know what, looking back on it, the Bears. When you have all of the Steelers starters, I don't care how good their front 7 is. I saw this Steelers team last year run on the Baltimore Ravens, who have the best run defense in the whole league. I saw them run on every team that that stacked the box against them. And Sue in the playoffs and, you know, everybody that played against. So they should be able to push around anybody. I will say that I guess it, there does have to be an asterisk included when you have the two backup guys. And as far as the pass blocking goes, we just expect more out of them we do. in the pass blocking and, and the run blocking. Now, they were not helped out in the pass blocking because the offense was super predictable. And it just felt like throughout the course of that game You knew the Steelers were going to be passing the ball. I know Le'Veon got 15 attempts, but there was just no rhythm. There was no element of surprise, and those guys on the Bears were pinning their ears back and rushing at Ben uh, like a bunch of rabid bears. Damn it! Bears are rabid. So you know,
1: I just want to put a plug in for BJ Finney. I did focus on Finney, and he actually had a pretty good game. But yeah, at least at least pass blocking. The run, um, inexplicable. So, as you said, we give the offensive C-. line a C-.
2: See, the offensive line is the same thing as Martavis, or almost as AB. They're all-stars, and they were missing a few Meh. of them, but we expect a lot more out of them. So, C-. Next, uh, let's move on to the tight ends. I like I almost don't want to say anything. It was just a total nondescript game. Jesse had... Uh, a couple catches. What did he have?
1: Um, he had two, two catches. catches. This is like going yards. to your high school reunion and saying, you went to my school with me? Yeah.
2: Oh, you were there. Oh, yeah, I you. You. Well, I don't think it's his fault too much. I really no. liked the catch that he had on first and 20 or first and 15, whatever it he was. Gave it he, up. Yeah, he stopped. He caught it and got murdered right away. Um, I guess the guy didn't hit him in the head, so they're not going to call it hit on a defenseless receiver, but it – I think one Steelers writer, I don't know if it was Dulac or Bouchette, brought up the question. So what does hit on a defensive receiver really mean? That being said, that was the second or third week in a row where the guy has caught the ball and gotten crushed right away and held on to it. So I'll take that small sample size as a a positive. I think he fell down. I don't know what happened on the first third down of the game where he was on the ground and bent through the ball. So kind of hard to judge that without the all-22. I know.
1: It looked like he got hit early.
2: blocking was okay although i will say that Grimble was on the side of the field goal team uh, where the guys came through but it was an uneven rush so there's really not a lot to say about them let's we're giving them a c they weren't terrible that they didn't stand out
1: let's move to the other side of the ball where we gave a d for defense Defense. mike lennon gets 100 yards on 22 attempts with one whopping pass to a completed to a wide receiver let me just say that the Steelers' sea gap lived up to its name. It looked like a highway in the desert, where the only traffic on the road was Jordan Howard. Yeah. And I would also point out, this is shades of last year when we couldn't tackle. We were doing a lot of hitting, but the running backs were getting were getting third and fourth chances without being pulled off to the ground. Like a state Puffed Marshmallow Man.
2: He's just like a Yeti out there. A Yeti on rollerblades. This man careened through the Steelers' defense with no problem at all. They looked like a bunch of little boys trying to tackle a man.
1: I'd also point out we were, we were victimized by the Dink and Dunk.
2: I don't even think that was such a big deal honestly. It was just getting shredded by that run game. So, they were horrible. They were horrible. They I guess you can say they held Glennon to 100 yards passing, but does one even hold Glennon to 100 yards passing or does Glennon just
1: gets throw for he 100 gets 100 yards. yards. Right. He called home after That's the game. Pretty bad. I got 100 yeah. yards. Got triple digits.
2: Yeah. So. Well, okay.
1: Start. So, but I want. So the cornerbacks weren't challenged, and I just want to point out the that we were vandalized by chunk running plays. There were nine plays of over nine over 10 yards, and one would think maybe our defense got tired in the second half, but four of those came in the first half. So we can move yeah. on. D for defense. D for defense.
2: Defensive line. I have to give them a C minus because whenever you get abused like that in the running game, I can't give you anything over a C minus. Now, the only reason I don't give them a D is because uh, Hargave looked like a man. That dude is having a great start to the season. He was pushing like his life depended on it. He is throwing guys around. I saw him almost eat a human. A player on the other team was a running back. I think it, I don't remember if it was Cohen or it might have even been the big boy, a uh, big jellybean uh, Howard. But regardless, he looked like he was pretty good. He made some nice plays, so we'll give them a C minus for that. But I feel like we pretty much just covered it in the fact that they were getting abused by the run game. Listen, Butler was lining them up in some weird places too. And if you look at the film, they're like lined up to the weak side constantly. It is kind of perplexing, but at the same time they got pushed around by a bunch of backup Bears offensive linemen because the ba- the Bears were actually missing two or three of their offensive linemen, so they were doing a little musical chairs with their linemen and you still got pushed around by them and then by some running backs who they might be talented, yeah, but they're they're each
1: one of them is one-dimensional in his own way. So, gross. Well, I don't know how to rate the inside linebacker. Branchzier had led the team with 11 tackles and probably had 11
2: missed tackles as well.
1: He did. Oh, he does continue to overshoot the run, though, doesn't he? Over and
2: over and over again.
1: So the combination of the missed tackles, the overshooting, and the general lack of any coverage on run plays, it's really hard to rate the inside linebackers Not any better great, than the no. defensive line. Well, so I, go ahead.
2: I do think that Shazier had some, some really nice plays. He did overrun a couple, and they happened— With uh, like so frequently in terms of they happen at least once or twice a game that I think we're becoming more sensitive to them. But he did make some some nice plays shooting through the gap. And even if he didn't make the tackle, he would force the guy out of bounds. So he needs to clean up on some of that stuff, on those missed tackles, learn how to just come under control in the hole. And then he'll become just a real superstar. But for right now, some of those long runs are due to him – not hitting his gap, but more of them were due to Vince Williams totally missing the gap for the running back. There were got Chicolo and some of the corners, you know, already had a pr- pretty brutal game. But even a couple times, he, along with Chicolo, forced guys inside, and and Vince Williams would run right past them, right to where our other two guys were standing. So Vince had a pretty tough game. I'm giving them a C minus as well.
1: Well, I don't. Th- speaking of the outside linebackers, it is uh, it's hard to complain about containment. The containment was there because the yeah. the, the run was between the the outside linebacker and defensive end. Chicolo had his third sack of the year. Granted, again, he went uncontested, That's, right uh, a direct pass to the quarterback, but he did sort of pull. says a lot if they just. Don't they disregard him. <laughs> That's what we need to have more we need to have more journeyman players so they disregard let him, and let run. He's
2: flying under the radar. You can't fault him for that.
1: But I, I was not happy with the Budrick. The Budrick had the Budrick um, opportunities company. that he he failed to capitalize on in the backfield.
2: Yeah, I agree. And he he slid off of Howard a couple of times. It's like, bud, you're an Adonis. Bring that man to the ground. And with Chicolo, he did do a good job with contain, but he but he got he got pushed way out of the way. Like contain the guy, yes, please, but don't get
1: well. Maybe <laughs> he didn't contain, contain. because maybe, you're being he pushed. stayed on the outside. Maybe he yeah. didn't actually contain, but he didn't need yeah, to no, because there I, no, was no. He didn't
2: contain. He did set the edge set decently. The edge. Um, you know, a lot of people are crying for Debo now because he had a quote today, uh, basically addressing that. You know, his claim to fame is setting the edge, and. They asked him if he would have – the media asked him if he would have done a good job setting the edge in that game. I think he said uh, that he can set the edge until he's 60. And I'm not going to doubt the man. But, hey, you know, Chico has been playing well. I thought he played okay. Uh, But you got to assert some physicality on these guys too. Let's go. Close the hole, man. So C- minus for them
1: as well. Can we rate the cornerbacks and the safeties together? I I just the only thing I think since they didn't actually have to work on Sunday tackling anybody past 10 yards is that they couldn't fill the gaps. And again, it's hard to tell whether it was through the lack of their effort or the um, game plan.
2: Artie was brutal. Artie regressed to early season rookie Artie where his angles were just baffling. He took a couple horrible angles and uh, Joe Hayden, you didn't get to see much of him until he was just accosted on the big run in overtime. Now, to go on a, a slight tangent real here, really quick here regarding that uh, that holding call. The Steelers didn't lose this game because of the refs. You never really lose a game because of the refs. There's, they should have blown this team out. That being said, the, rof- the referees were atrocious in this game. Between some of the missed pass interferences in the first half, and a couple of the brutal holdings, the Bears tackled Chicolo, uh, uh, Joe Hayden, and Artie Burns at different times in this game. Every single time when they're right in front of the player who's carrying the ball. So right in front of everybody. And on that giant Tariq Cohen, the 79-yard touchdown that got turned into a 40-yard run, he was running right at Cohen. Everybody could see it. I saw it in real time. I was screaming like an asylum patient. And the guy just tackled him from behind. Now you can't say that he would have made the tackle for sure, but odds are that he's going to get the guy. If he doesn't even get the guy down, he at least slows him down. But even so, if they call the holding penalty, it becomes first and twenty from their own fifteen, and that changes the whole complexion of the game. So that was a pretty huge miss on the parts of the ref. Although you know, Steelers should have won anyways, but it is worth noting that
1: shouldn't come and, down to shouldn't come down to refs calls. So yeah. We rated the defense a D, and so far we've given everybody a minus. C-. We've got to give somebody an F here to make this work. I would give this, the safeties an F. <laughs> Let's give all them an F. All they right. could have safeties. a D, but but they,
2: that C gap that you keep talking about, where was Mitchell? Where nice. Davis was pretty bad before he got knocked out of the game. Those guys could not tackle. They were late in running to the ball. If you see some of the replays on some of the big runs, they actually give you the view behind the defense, and – Mitchell's just not diagnosing plays. I don't know if he's, you know, still reeling from the injury in training camp. We saw him a couple years ago have a pretty average season because he was playing with the injury the whole time. Then he had a healthy season where he played well. Maybe he's just having another one of those injured seasons. But their run fits were terrible, and then his dropped interception in the fourth quarter was brutal. Man, that could have sealed the game for the Steelers. I don't know oh, how we he should. We
1: should him, know Wilcox's interception, and then we'll know. The fumble Wilcox didn't pick up. So there were a couple of opportunities there. Agreed.
2: Well, I'm glad that he made that interception. It was almost the exact same interception that Mitchell should have made. It's just a lollipop, dude. You had it in both of your hands and your forearm. Every part of his body is covering the ball, and that could have won the game for the Steelers. It is such a basic play, and it's so frustrating seeing yet another member of the Steelers' secondary over the years.
1: He's channeling Ike Taylor.
2: (laughs) Well, at least Ike would have come up and made some tackles.
1: It brings us to the special teams, and I have to say I think it's a tale of two different teams. In the way that we rate A-B separately from the wide receivers, I'd like to extricate the kickers from the rest of the special teams. When you point. look at the punts, none were returned. One kickoff was returned to the 26. Most of the kickoffs were returned short of the 25. So I think the kickers and the coverage did really well. When, yeah, they uh, did.
2: DHB as well. He is a demon. DHB the was the first,
1: demon first guy at made. the party. Yeah,
2: Every time. he's He he's started to talk a bunch of crap to these punt returners. I love it. It's, he's He you knows he's there for one reason, and he deserves to be there because he's getting by them every time. So, yeah, you're right. We will write them separately. But who are we going to write them separately from? <laughs> Everybody well, who blocks.
1: Well, this comes down to one of two things. Xavier Grimble or the formation guarding for the field goal because yeah. when I watched that tape, he flailed out his left appendage, flailed it, hoping that that would impede the uh, ah. defensive end and uh, it didn't do anything. So there was absolutely no blocking. Was that his fault and he had to cover, but he was double, they were double teaming thing. somebody. I, he had an opportunity to pick off that guy. Who who did he think was going to get him? Do you think there was a fullback back there? I don't know. Maybe
2: he thought he wasn't going to get it all the way around, but it was an overload. So to me, that's a bit of a special teams coach Gaff, and i guess he had a decision to make on a look that he hadn't seen before so we're not going to totally relieve him of responsibility but the coach has got to figure that one out as well well, we didn't
1: rate danny smith f
2: yeah you gotta give danny smith an f
1: come on man what a glorious what a glorious example of hustle to run down marcus cooper i mean i know it was idiotic but vance mcdonald and and even Jordan Berry was there on there, and I would say Xavier ran down the field too. Is the only other guy to run down the field, but just right. stuck with it. And you watched McDonald at the twenty, still picking up a little steam, ambling, yeah, ambling, and like a buggy, a horse and buggy.
2: It's everybody else kind of
1: pulled off. I mean, if you look at, um,
2: who's our? Kicker? Well, listen, we haven't. Yeah, Boswell didn't run. We haven't really talked about this is one of the actually the biggest stories of the game was the Leon Lett uh, replay that Marcus Cooper gave. But this is the reason why I give these special teams an F plus. The plus is because that was such an awesome play by Vance McDonald to keep going there. And and maybe Barry, it would have been nice if he had the presence of mind to, to fall on the ball or 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 something like that. But. I understand in the in the heat of the moment. He thought that he would protect the Steelers by batting the ball out of the end zone. But regardless, that's why they get the F plus. Eli Rogers. So hmm. it's been eight years for me since I have there's I have a syndrome now where it is non Antonio Brown return fright syndrome. There's an acronym for that. I'll work on it later, but I don't have time to take the listeners through that whenever anybody returns a punt except for antonio brown they fumble when you had jacoby jones in there he fumbled like three out of six punts eli fumbled a punt last year everybody fumbles unless you're antonio brown it's the curse of antonio brown i guess that was gross oh my gosh the bounce right off his chest i know it was sunny but there were two special teams plays the kick block and the eli fumble that resulted directly in chicago's points that is just a Brutal failure of special teams unit who's been pretty awesome this year. If well, you I'd think like about to pile
1: it. on because Eli had a second um, a second opportunity right. where he decided not to catch it and grabbed the ball on the bounce and was destroyed. It, it doesn't he doesn't seem decisive on the on the he's one that he fumbled. Return. He looked like he wasn't centered underneath the ball, and he just doesn't look decisive.
2: He was centered. It bounced right off of his chest. He Check just, the film. He's not a uh, he's he's not a punt returner. And they don't have another. And it it sucks that they release Hay, uh, um, Ayers, but, you know, I guess they didn't have. I guess they really wanted to keep Justin Hunter. But, I, you know, even in Ayers, only two punt returns that he had in the preseason. They were both nice. I don't remember if he muffed one and picked it back up or something like that. But he's a natural punt return. It would be great to have a guy like that. But special teams get an F-plus because of Vance McDonald's glorious uh, effort really there.
1: So there you have it not a not an impressive report card one grade that, of an A plus for a b the rest you wouldn't bring these home and no you probably will get detention you might even get suspended for a report card they're
2: gonna like hold this. you back the Steelers are about to get held back in the fifth grade because of this thing but hey
1: they might go to arena uh, the football them
2: they might have to do a couple of weeks actually they couldn't do arena know.
1: football they're not accurate enough no, well hey Hey, I, w- I wanted to mention uh, something football, unfootball related. Well, football related, but not to this game. I am reading the Chuck Knoll biography. Nice. It is tremendous. That's and what I've I heard. Recommended, about re- recommended reading for everybody in our uh, podcast audience.
2: That guy was a real steel man. He, he lived a man. in a different time. He was playing on the on the fields behind the factories where football was birthed. So that's cool. I guess the last thing I would want to add to the podcast is there is a silver lining. There are some positives that have nothing to do with what the Steelers did, but more about what the Ravens and Raiders did. The Ravens embarrassed in London by the Jaguars. Uh, I guess you could interpret that a couple ways. The the real way to interpret it is, hey, it's still a tie for first place. And the Steelers are going to go into Baltimore next week, where they have not won since 2012. And this is the perfect opportunity for the Steelers to exercise those demons. And, you know, the Raiders aren't in the Steelers division, but they're another... uh, AFC contender as are the Broncos and those guys all lost as well. Um, I so saw, I guess the chiefs and the Patriots are putting some distance between themselves, but Hey, even the Patriots are two and one. So got lucky that the Steelers didn't really fall too far behind in the rankings. Hopefully the Steelers take this week three shellacking in the same way that they did last year when they came out in week four and just absolutely decimated the chiefs by pretty much blowing them out in the first quarter and winning that game. So let's hope we see something like that next week in Baltimore. I do
1: think the Steelers will get it together, but that was brutal. Well, let's hope this political maelstrom settles down and we don't have to deal with this anymore and we can play some football. Well, I won't be playing football, but I'll be watching. I'll be breaking it down for you. And we'll be here next week after the Steelers meet the Ravens in Baltimore for a one o'clock kickoff. So thanks for joining us for episode three. Please, don't forget, if you have suggestions, compliments, anything along those lines, drop in on our website, www.steelersoutpost.com. Drop us an email at steelersoutpost at gmail.com.
2: And don't forget to subscribe. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a five-star review if you like what you're hearing. You can make some comments in there as well if you'd like. We're open to changing up uh, anything about the podcast. Still getting the flow for it, but I we're bringing you the juicy details that you need
1: to continue your addiction to Steelers football. Thank
2: you, everybody. Hope
1: you all have a good week. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Talk to you next week.
2: Okay, bye-bye. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.
0: There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables.